This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Hello, greetings from a very rain-swept Delhi. The rain always makes me want to dance and last night I was dancing in the balcony until the neighbors called the cops on me. But uh finally, I think we have pre-monsoon showers. So that's good. Uh, other than that lots happened in the news this is the hafta i'm abhinandan sekri angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte subscribe to news laundry because we don't take advertisements when the public pays the public is served when advertisers pay advertisers served on the hafta today we have a panel of four including me let me introduce the panel first we have the anchor of newsons who will be doing some more newsons this week manisha pande hello Anand Vardhan Hello. our wonderful opinions writer and insightful analyst and Revati Lal hi Revati i'll hi. give a brief introduction i'm sure some of this is your words uh, it is Revati is an independent journalist and filmmaker she chronicles politics and culture she's reported from Afghanistan Nepal Sri Lanka and India once you were also in Uzbekistan or Azerbaijan or some those snow things that was Afghanistan oh right She's the author of the upcoming book called The Anatomy of Hate to be published by Westland. She spent the last year and a half or two in Gujarat. Her work includes investigative stories and features like India's conflict with Pakistan in Kargil, Nepal in the grip of the Maoist insurgency, genocide against the Tamils in Sri Lanka and the 2002 genocide. In the past Revathi has worked for media organizations like NDTV and Tehelka and uh, some of you may not know uh the production house that actually launched news laundry revathi was a part of that and she was part of the team that actually discussed and we started the discussion of what news laundry should be but she moved on before we launched so welcome <laughs> back revathi thanks great to be here yes so we have two emails um with very good and valid criticisms well one is valid the other i have some push back on but this is all that we will discuss modi's speech on the emergency anniversary he says congress converted india into a prison during emergency for its lust for power then uh, he says there were many basically emergency was a big event this year um mm. which is unlike the last 3 years they've made mm. it a much bigger event this year i think it's also because there were government ads also in the newspaper exactly government ads and there's an yeah. election year coming up so i think that matters the media houses take down the story involving amit shah cnn news 18 first post times now new indian express delete the stories and the economic times changed the headline removing his name then um the impending water crisis india's water crisis bangalore delhi there was some alarming report i don't even know how much to be alarmed by now because alarm is often misplaced that delhi and gurgaon just have two years of groundwater left and after that i mean i, I don't know um anyway we will discuss that and water is something very close to my heart it is it is what i was working on for when i just started my career as a independent filmmaker then the Saifuddin Sos controversy he launches a book on Kashmir Congress boycotts it although uh, one congress leader was there Jairam Ramesh attended that book launch mm. Chidambaram gave a no show he was supposed to be on the panel and that is because he said that if you ask kashmiris they will want azadi which in my view is right i mean <laughs> if yeah, you I go agree. there but i guess you can't speak the truth um and then this article um about Sardar Patel was right to give Kashmir to Pakistan leave her Hyderabad says Congress leader Saifuddin Sos and I think um Wire or Scroll has done a piece on Sardar Patel's intervention in Kashmir which is a bit different from the general narrative that is is peddled then the Maharashtra plastic ban um I don't know how practical that is uh, then Ram Madhav statement on post especially since it doesn't go after Pepsi Coke 
राइट्स Commission Commissioner Zaid Rad Al Hussein reiterates demand for Kashmir inquiry pays tribute to Shujaat Bukhari and days after his retirement Bar Council of India criticizes Justice Chalmeshwara maybe we'll have a little more about that and Sushma Swaraj trolled over her Lucknow interfaith couple's passport row this is something we discussed last week and what Anand said has turned out to be accurate so far at least so he gets some gloating rights on this podcast <laughs> and there's a lot more um but i think we'll have time for just about four of these so let me start with you um revati first of all can you just tell us what your book is about the anatomy of hate can you give me a two minute what are we looking at and when are we looking at its release so um i'm a scatological creature which means i love shit and um so i've learned to look at the gut uh, more than anything else and that's where all my storytelling comes from so the anatomy of hate is about the gut of who we are as a people and what we've become it's about where the politics of hate started the modern politics of hate in india which was gujarat in the 2002 genocide against muslims and what i've done is to kind of look at the side of the story that uh, we haven't in the media looked at um enough for at all which is the side of the perpetrators when i say the side of i don't mean i'm taking the side of the perpetrator perpetrator but i'm trying to understand who the perpetrators of that violence were where does it come from uh, where does that hate come from it got we we know how it's got used by the togadias of the world by the modis of the world but we don't know what was sitting inside the average person in the mob to be used so i'm looking at that the seed of it and what it feels like to be one of them so instead of focusing on a large sort of um you know spectrum uh, i'm 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 focusing on only three people who come from three different social and political and economic spaces of gujarat and who entered the mob in very different ways and then i'm also looking at what happens when you are part of this large ball of hate because a lot of um, books on genocide around the world whether it's rwanda or bosnia or tasmania which has only recently been started to be talked about or armenia sorry um the thing that happens with a lot of these books is that they stop at the event so you will mm-hmm. get some back story on the people and how the you know there was this voyeuristic thing building up and uh, one side versus the other and then it stops at the event as if that sort of seals off people hermetically and they remain fixed but the one thing that i discovered was that hatred is not fixed not even the most hardened either it gets worse or it gets better or it changes but it doesn't remain static like you found someone who was part of a murderous mob who now has does work helping people actually out from- the, the the origin of my book was this one person who i actually followed for 12 years before he agreed to uh, let me tell his story and he is the one who made me sit up and think because he was at the edge of the mob in 2002 as a, as a young student and as part of the a voyeuristic part of the mob he didn't actually kill but he was voyeuristically part of it and he went over the metamorphosis he went through in the years after that turned him into a left liberal atheist 
and i like i had goose flesh i'd never met anybody who could change like this sure. and i felt that if we don't look at the possibility of change we as a media are also sealing people off into boxes and we're fixing reality artificially we, we'll discuss so that a little anyway, more that but sounds very interesting it, so the book is basically about this about what hate is from the inside out you know i've been listening to this podcast the caliphate uh, a new york times podcast it's i think so for 10 10 episodes and um that in a sense you could be accused of what rukmani who has done that could be accused of and she's already preempted that and said why it is not that is humanizing people who did inhuman acts like you know she's doing isis and she goes and meets an isis fighter's mother and and um uh, in fact you know we we'll, the first except thing we'll that, discuss after this is i'm not humanizing it sure no I, no i'm not saying you are but even she's not but she's saying yeah. one has to see why they become what they become you know she's you so she's going to end up feeling uh, you you end up feeling like the skin of your body is peeling off when you read these stories because uh, first what seems unimaginable and therefore it's you you are in your comfortable space saying i could never be like this i want to shake that up that i want you to feel like each us. of us has that but we aren't in those circumstances and until we see that we won't do anything to change those circumstances yeah, so a real deep understanding of hate anywhere in the world requires us to understand where nazi germany comes from it's not it's not good enough to just describe the plight of the jews we've we've had revisionist histories of nazi germany where people have actually from the 1960s onwards looked at europe's the western europe's complicity in the racism against jews hana arent being in, the most in, famous in, example in rwanda and so, cambodia they had that reconciliation commission which actually uh, i think that was uh, rwanda where they had, there's that photo essay i think it's in the new york times where a perpetrator and a victim have been photographed those, together that's yes, that series yes but those photo ops are just yeah, yeah, surface level saying, it's, it's sure, more no but what i'm saying is just yeah, just, just let me finish um what i'm saying is that things like that are something that moves beyond the event So I mean some Actually, of them are photo they features they they remain stuck in time uh, a similar one was carried out uh, between a perpetrator and victim of 2002 and it was the biggest sham where ever. Who, who did that uh, there was someone who published a book uh, a pub, a, uh, uh, and they they had this event in one of the southern states i can't remember whether it was karnataka or tamil oh, nadu yeah, yeah, and they had one of the guy who was photographed the guy who was photographed yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. as part the, the both sides of the indian express story mm. the guy who was crying the tailor and the tailor and, and the guy and the, yeah, the guy yeah, yeah. with the sure, headscarf yes i remember i remember so they they did a photo op between yeah, the two were, except yeah. that i met the tailor and he said he had not even been told by the publisher before the event that he was going to meet his adversary there so yeah, it was but, like but, that, but that's what happened in rwanda because no, that no, is a, that rwanda, is a much rwanda, so they interviewed each of them they, know, there was a entire thing of the conversation between them but uh, coming to yeah. uh, kashmir i just want to tie this in with kashmir and the caliphate what i was talking about you know she could be accused of of humanizing isis and i think what um she's preempted that and she's explained why it's important to talk about that but the one thing and i want to go into kashmir now because we'll discuss the current affairs of india is the one thing that we find in kashmir also where she actually finds one of the people who was working for the isis as a senior you know in a bureaucratic position and when you hear that the kind of stuff isis did is you know random people with a tank and have these big shows of killing people mm. and whipping them to death and you know blinding them it's like disgusting putting heads on sticks and sticks and yeah. stuff like that so and this guy was a very well off wealthy educated man and she said that whole myth and this i, I found similarities in kashmir that oh they are starving and they have no jobs and that's where they join it that is not the primary trigger for people to join 
and the one thing and this is when we did that podcast and the documentary on Kashmir and she finds says I was trying to find out why would a person like this join the ISIS he has no reason because the whole myth is that people join the ISIS because they don't have any money there is an ideological affinity and she says that ideological affinity happens because of and there are many cases like this humiliation and this is the same thing we found in that documentary on Kashmir is these people are a, you know a family a feudal family and there was some IED blast happened and the US troops came and they dragged these guys invalid grandfather out they, they don't understand the language they don't understand that he couldn't walk so they dragged him out they, and that really scarred all the grandchildren there were four or five of them and this guy that was his turning point and even the uh, people we met in Kashmir the turning point was that one of them was walking as a 10 year old with his father and his father was slapped around by the security forces mm. I think that humiliation is the primary trigger which you're actually makes right. people you're absolutely right and it is a mirror of what I'm writing uh, humiliation is humiliation and a uh, uh, an aspirational desire to move out of your kind of not completely wretched but what your percep- perception that you you know you know you've seen people who live much better than you and the only way to get out of those circumstances you'll hold on to whatever levers you have and this hindutva happened to be the the mover and shaker the only lever available in many parts of gujarat at in, that in time a, in a life which and is so full of humiliation one, in india for for many people yeah, exactly uh, and um, Yes, so humiliation plays a very big... Your identity crisis, your sense of self. And uh, the book actually goes down that route, showing you how their new selves get get built up and crash or don't crash. Um, each of them has a very different story. So let me come to... Um, let's start off with the Kashmir. Saifuddin Soz, I'll just read context because often we are accused of discussing an issue without playing the context and that kind of throws people off. Saifuddin Soz is a member of the Congress Party, a very senior member of the Congress Party. He's been a minister as well. Launched a book called Kashmir, Glimpses of History uh, and the Story of Struggle. Um, just before this, he had said that if you ask most people in Kashmir, they do want Azadi. Uh, that was, of course, played up politically by uh, the BJP. And in its typical cowardly fashion, the Congress quickly you know, distanced themselves and Chidambaram, who was supposed to appear at the book launch, did not appear. And on the book launch, there was Vajahat Habibullah, there was Arun Shauri, there was Suhasani Haider, and there was Kuldeep Nayar. So two things, uh, Anand, before you tell us what else you think of the Kashmir. One is, um, what do you make of this thesis that humiliation is the primary trigger for radicalization and an anti, whether it's America or an anti-Indian forces um, kind of mindset, which culminates in a in a religious it is a jihad um, and two um, what Saifuddin so said is it such a big deal and it, uh, I think there is no one single trigger for allying yourself with identity True. politics yes that's correct Th- that could be there could be many it could be just a revolt of historical memory against uh, an imposed modernity and uh, uh, our definitions of modernity have generally, um, I think, negated the importance of historical memory. And uh, when we think about uh, conservative uh, thought, means conservative thought uh, is basically conservation. In it says that individual may be a stupid, but species is not. Community is not a stupid. Individual may be. Sure. So. Right. Uh, so it tries to 
have a continuity of historical memory. And just by an imposed modernity, you cannot negate it. So identity politics for some also has roots in this kind of complex psyche. Sure. So humiliation may be a catalyst of it. So it may just uh, uh, be something that, uh, um, uh, what you can say, entrenches historical memory in the personality. So uh, I, I, that uh, um, Kashmir thing now, mm. moving uh, on to Kashmir thing, uh, without institutional measures like referendum, I think Sephudin's was cannot say that Kashmiris want Ajadi even if they want the um, as a leader of a, as a political leader of a nation state, uh, he should be I think uh, more careful about what he's saying because so what you're saying is even if it may be true to an extent it's not something that should be articulated by a political leader mm-hmm. political leader if he is adhering to the uh, Indian idea of a nation state so mm. I think uh, he should be careful uh, without saying it uh, without institutional authentication of it say and those are impossible like referendum or they are not uh, in uh, near sight so you know hmm that's true actually that's that's a good point i yeah i but i, I guess th- like think i might agree with that i'll have to think about that but yeah i but mean i guess he's making those comments more as an author then a polit- I mean, I think he's wearing an author's hat when he says that most Kashmiris want reference. But he's a politician of stature. He is, but I guess like when you're writing a book about something, you sort of then switch roles into... I guess he has to keep in mind that he's a politician, but then I guess he's also speaking from the point of view of his book mm. as someone who studied the state or is talking about the state or the history and all that. And Kashmiris, I mean, forget stone pelters or uh, radicals, so to speak, but even the most assimilated of Kashmiris by which I mean people working in Delhi, journalists, yes. engineers, they all want Azadi. They say it very clearly yeah. that, I mean, once you open up to them, it's very clear to them that we don't like India. Yeah, that's and true. And there's funnily like one of the conversations I had with a Kashmiri was kind of bordered on racism because he said something like, a lot of Kashmiris feel that for them, India is like uh, dark-skinned Biharis, you know. That's their sort of, so it's like there's also a lot of feeling that how can this race rule us? Are you serious? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not it's not a generic sort of a statement that people believe in, but there's also sort of... I think it's a way to a cling on... A mix of racism, a mix I, of... I think it's also a way to cling on to some snobbery yeah. to, to restore a lost dignity. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think, so I think like also uh, things I think that you hear. I think when you talk about institutional memory and racism, and I, I've... Like the last time I was in Kashmir was four years ago. I made a film on half widows, hmm. and I traveled. Half widows are the people who've people who who basically missing, whose but we don't husbands have gone either to to over to the mil, to militancy or have been killed by Indian security forces. But they either don't know or that sometimes yet. both. They don't know. Hmm. Some have been missing for thirty years. Some for longer. So they're called half widows. One of the so they're called half widows because there's no um, death certificate sure, available okay. and there's no established. Uh, body uh, mm. found anywhere. There mm. are unmarked graves. Okay. So they don't have uh, any locus standi as widows. Mm. So they're kind of like swinging between one state and the other. Mm. And uh, they're sort of like an interesting metaphor for the conflict um, and for how people feel. 
because we don't look at how women feel and they're never part of the political narrative, the, mm. the mainstream narrative. It's all men talking. But more than just the gender thing, I think what it points to is the fact that the like what I found because I traveled to the border areas where a lot of the all, all those villages had completely uh, uh, supported militancy, were happy to support it and were happy to talk about it on camera. Um, the the thing that that I found was that all of those people were basically disenchanted with all the institutions. You know, Anand, you were talking about institutions, but when institutions have spectacularly failed people for so long, they say f off to the institutions. You know, they don't really care about institutions. What they want is, um, and I found only a, a metaphor for it this week in watching. Uh, a stand-up show by a queer woman from Tasmania called Nanette, which is actually doing the rounds, and I'll come yeah, to the yeah, point. Yeah, it's become quite mm. like viral uh, now. No, so this woman talks about um, being a, a, a queer woman, a lesbian woman, and the persecution she faced and how she had to flee Tasmania. And I suddenly said, queer politics is a very interesting way to look at Kashmir. It's like a bad marriage where they're being forced to say either the Indian state or militants. And it might be actually interesting for, because the, the, the actual, the conversations that actually drive the politics of Kashmir lie outside Kashmir. They lie with Delhi, especially now that we have governor's rule and the center is controlling everything, mm. which has happened repeatedly. Uh, and even when the center is not controlling everything, it's controlling everything in Kashmir. Sure. So therefore, the conversations that we have... I mean, we may think that uh, this is just a podcast, but it's so important because all the conversations online and offline have been things like lynch the separatists, strip them on the streets. You know, these fantasies of rape and violence that the so-called, uh, you know, uh, do-gooders sitting in Delhi have actually drive the politics because politicians are listening to this and they pick up this and then they feed it back to us. And we're going to see a lot of that in the run-up to the election, the yeah. to the sure. elections. And they're going to use that. That's the reason that the BJP is pulled out of the alliance. But, but coming to the point that if we... So therefore, to use queer politics would be uh, actually to dial down the nationalism and stop people, stop people from wanting to commit. A lot of queer, queer people say, why should I commit to one thing or one relationship or a marriage? Why can't I just be left alone and let each day go as it, as it does? So... I think for a while, can we just let that thing rest? But know? also, I think another mistake that Delhi often makes, and I think we are often can be often accused of it too, is that there is a uniformity of opinion in Kashmir. And this I'm uh, you know, telling from the point of view of people from the rest of India, journalists who've gone and spent extended periods of time there. They say they're like bongs. Like you have five bongs in the room, they will not agree. There'll be the CPIM, the CPIMO, there'll be ML. They, they don't, someone will say this, other. someone will say, no, we should do this. Someone will say, no, we have to have peace. She says, there, even among the five of them, there is so much animosity and anger. And I was uh, witness to this. Mistrust, but that's the, that's the description of conflict. Uh, and no, I remember when I had uh, once gone for a film festival to Kashmir in 2001-2002, that time it had become slightly better, but not as good as it was like, Basically, the late 2000s was the best time for Kashmir because we did a lot of shoots there. You know, there was lots of tourists and everything. So the early 2000s had become slightly better, not that much. So there was a, f a film festival. One of uh, uh, my films was being screened. So there were a few Kashmiri films. And because my film was from Ladakh, it was only films that were shot in Kashmir. So one of the films that was screened spoke about the shame this guy feels in the 
यू नो जैसे कि मुझे कश्मीरी होने पर बहुत यू नो शर्म आती है वोट एवर बिकॉज द काइंड ऑफ स्टफ दैट वन सीज नॉर्मल कश्मीर एंड देन वन गैफ फ्रॉम द ऑडियंस गॉट अप तुम किस कसम का कश्मीरी हो एंड यू नो दैट कश्मीरी एक्सेंट कि तुम्हें शर्म आती है दैट गैट फ्रॉम द स्टेज गॉड अप एंड सेट तू किस कसम का है दैन द थर्ड गैट अप एंड सेट आई लाइक डूड वाउ दिस गुड फिल्म in st- what i was saying is that a- an active politician who is participating in electoral politics cannot rule out the importance of institutions without institutions constitutional democracy is nothing hmm. yes. and uh, hmm. one and second in a nation in the, in the imagination of a nation state territorial integrity is non negotiable so uh, you begin india a union of states or uh, so you Im- the prerequisite for is is that this is our territory so you begin the democratic journey of a constitutional republic by making the territorial integrity non negotiable hmm. so a politician who is in legitimate electoral politics by the uh, entering to the constitution of india cannot question the first principle co- first principle of mm. territorialism i wouldn't agree with that i mean i'd mm. rather have politicians who don't uh, this is a fact i'd rather have politicians that acknowledge it and then begin fixing the problem than pretending like oh everyone loves us in kashmir mm. there's nothing wrong in saying people no, don't like what i'm saying is that you can I mean, it so negate the you can you can so say, no you can say so if there is an institutional validation of it Hmm. you conduct a referendum if no, indian state conducts a referendum and there is a you cannot say by meeting 10 people i think the point anand is saying it weakens the nation's case and if you are representing the nation it's it's like negotiating with the world bank but that yeah, is but precisely sitting what in india what, this is precisely what the kashmir conundrum has always been that the the politician has always been expected to uh function as if the the separatists uh are, should not be engaged with or that um dissent and dis disenchantment with the state should that, not that be allowed is not substantial and how do you how do you how do you create no how do you create a new institution and how do you question an institution like northern ireland okay okay, okay. No, now let's let's move on to the next uh, quickly that, that racism bit is an anecdote it's not to be taken as of an explanation course. for what's happening clearly okay just to clarify so um I just wanted to quickly touch upon the whole emergency advertisements and the emergency blitzkrieg context establishing monologue here. Uh, it was um, the seventy-five plus twenty eighteen. कितने साल हो गए? पच्चीस. Forty-third. फिर हाँ. Forty-second anniversary. Forty-third anniversary हो गई ना of the emergency which Indira Gandhi had declared in nineteen seventy-five, where your fundamental rights were suspended. it is one of the darkest chapters of india's democracy many books have been written on it the ones i would recommend are jp in jail that's on jay prakash narayan the other one is by kumi kapoor uh, these are both really good and if you read any book on political history in india by guha emergency forms a very important part of it including that uh, that writer who writes very depressing books that parsi writer what's his name Uh, a fine balance what's yeah. who, what's so it's so hidden mystery even novels set, yeah. will depress you with what happened during the emergency so it's a so i mean if you've read you've read about Journalists the emergency journalists went to jail and stood up for the breaking of the constitution and dem- democracy which is very important for us and a lot of people media died media people to discuss and a lot of people died uh, in in they stood up for levels. that 
at a great so, cost. Yeah, Journalists many did, really many did, did not. Many didn't, many yes. crawled. Some did, some didn't, but some, some, some a did, lot some. did. Yeah, a lot did, I agree with you. And there was, you know, those marches. Uh, so, um, one, I would just like, I have two questions, provocative questions I want to throw open to the panel. <laughs> and let's start this one with Manisha. We'll go counterclockwise, you know, clockwise now. Uh, one is, do you think it's hyperbole and it actually weakens both the case for those who are pro-Modi, uh, sorry, it, it weakens the case for those who are anti-Modi, although they try to use it cleverly, and at the same time, uh, it strengthens his, uh, you know, his case if we were to assume he wants to subvert democracy by comparing today to the emergency, that it's an undeclared emergency. Is that hyperbole? Yeah, Which one should I totally stay away from? And the second thing, uh, this... So in the in in the you know on the forty third anniversary, the government had press conferences. I was listening to the national radio one hundred point one FM, which you must listen to if you want to know what propaganda sounds like. Said so there'd be twenty press conferences all over the country with BJP leaders talking about the emergency. It should become part of textbooks, and BJP uses this ki inka wo emergency wala mindset gaya nahi, and he linked the impeachment. The Congress wanted, not the Congress, but Sibyl and some many Congress people signed on a petition to impeach the Chief Justice, which didn't get muster. So that is the context. So Manisha, starting with you, A, is that hyperbole? Uh, and B, uh, is it important to make such a big deal of, of the emergency? Or um, is it, are, are people just playing into the political game of the BJP? On your first question, I think it is hyperbole for sure, even though I wasn't there then. And Madhu has on various occasions on Hafta said that it is a lot like mm. uh, how emergency was. But just as a journalist, I think we're really free. I don't think there's such a clampdown as there would have been back during the emergency. Of course, there are journalists who are willfully now, uh, you know, mm. towing the government line. But uh, again, that's not unique on you. Yeah, mm. I don't. I mean, yeah, you saw that during the UPA times also. So I. I mean, I th I'd say that we're relatively quite free. I don't censor emergency around me, at least okay. personally. And is there a need to make such a big deal of it every year? Or is that it is in weird. 2018? But, uh, yeah, it was so strange because even on uh, news shows, primetime yesterday, Arnab was like, you know, when will Congress apologize for emergency? I was like, dude, ab kya matlab? I mean, it's so bizarre to talk about something so long ago. And I think even on the day, Congress leaders did say things like we don't support it and we do think it was a dark mm. period and all that. No one in their right mind today justifies it. So I really don't know why it's a big deal. But of course, 2019, I guess that's what, like, that's the one thing that they can whip them with. Anand, both the questions to you also. I think it's anachronistic to say that it's a uh, mm, uh, undeclared emergency, uh, as Manisa has pointed out, that uh, uh, daily we are seeing 10 new platforms uh, being launched attacking Modi. And uh, daily there are 10 new platforms. The social media platforms are full of abuse ag against Prime Minister mm. and uh, in filthiest of language. So that there is no such case for the... I, I think the fiction of undeclared emergency is uh, rooted in a sense of deprivation among journalists hmm. who didn't have... Uh, who don't have their romantic anti-establishment tales to tell in their 60s. So and and, tho and those who are already in their 60s, they know that they are lying. Hmm. So... <laughs> so... so uh, 
there is uh, no case for that and uh, i think uh, now why bjp is wrecking it up so bjp actually in it, its predecessor jansang was a beneficiary of emergency mm. uh, so because it gave it a chance to mingle with uh, other parties of the opposition in jails and uh, its entry into uh, its political apartheid it's uh, uh, the untouchability of jansang ended because of emergency hmm. so it was uh, a, 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 pol- a political them. beneficiary of emergency before that in 67 uh, in the vidhayak parishad even left and jansang came together to form anti congress governments in hmm. some states but the actual breakthrough was emergency hmm. so it should be grateful for its uh, uh, <laughs> for emergency to for giving it a break um, hmm. its political break yeah and the second bit about does it need to be sell, uh, a big deal made about it like 43 years on or is it a given that yes it I means uh, uh, anyway campaigns and political advertisements by their very nature hmm. uh, would be exaggerations hmm. advertisements by their very nature are exaggerations right. so uh, I, i think uh, uh, they are trying to answer the allegations of uh, democratic deficit by saying that uh, not only deficit there was a democratic bankruptcy in mid 70s hmm. led by congress so yeah rave same two questions for you so um i don't think uh, one can st- i would use the word that the present day is like the emergency mm. but i would definitely say that it rings alarm bells and it's good that the bjp brought it up and is obviously trying to use it um to you know get some heft before they build up towards their election campaign which they not it's not going to last more than the end of this week so mm. it's lost as far as that game goes but um i think there are two or three things uh that are interesting that we should be alerted to about the emergency at that time there was like this overarching break like an active breaking of institutions like a breadstick you know broken into pieces you could hear the crack of that sound now you don't need to break the breadstick you just ignore the breadstick completely so it's sort of like structural violence against institutions which may not be an emergency but there doesn't need to be one because they're sidestepping every institution from the constitution from allowing or being silent about lynch mobs for instance who are breaking every article of the constitution in description um to uh, uh self imposed this fear of being sued by amit shah and therefore papers uh, you know sort of retracting uh, uh, or being stories. scared to publish stories where uh, a bank where, that he was the director of um, a municipal bank in ahmedabad suddenly was flushed with funds uh, in the demonetization period of old currency notes and this news disappears from uh, many mainstream media organizations that reliance which is in bed with this government or was in bed or is half in bed with this government um uh, sponsors so uh, all of these things point to a disregard for these institutions but i want to go one step further i think we um, uh, the, the media and the middle class tend to kind of outsource our angst and hatred every time to the existing establishment but actually there's a lot that, that this says about us and our aspirations 
that we keep voting people. We voted Indira Gandhi in back in two years after the emergency, mm. and we voted in a man knowing that he disregards these institutions because we actually don't have much regard for these institutions ourselves. Mm. I remember conversations in the 70s where in drawing rooms in middle class or early middle class, uh, fledgling middle class drawing rooms where you know people would say. Oh, you know, we need a Zia. Like there's a Zia ul Haq, you know, uh, the military dictator who ruled Pakistan. And then in the early 2000s, when Musharraf had taken over Pakistan, General Musharraf, there were conversations that I heard echoing back to that time in the in, like 30 years later, saying, "Oh, we need a general." So there is this sort of fantasy that the Indian middle class has that we need a strong man at the Which top. Which is also mm-hmm. that chef said we need Hitler. Na? What was his name? The Dubai ah, chef. Yes. So who who uh, who actually? So we have very little regard, and this should, I think, we should actually look at the emergency long and hard, and look at our own disregard for institutions and how we also enslave ourselves by breaking these institutions. And also, as the media, I think it's our responsibility to call out to the double speak that the BJP uh, has on and the RSS has. Uh, and uh, you know, both stemming from the Jansang Anant, as you pointed out, on the emergency, and actually, I didn't even. I'm fairly illiterate on this subject, so I found a, a piece that uh, a fellow journalist and friend, Salil Tripathi, who I thank for having put this out on Facebook just this morning, and I was thrilled to see it because it's an article that uh, uh, that the Hindu published in the year 2000 by Subramaniam Swami, okay, uh, calling out. To the lies that the RSS trots out about the emergency, saying mm. that you know they use this to lionize their own image and say that look we fought an autocrat, an oppressor, and a tyrannical dictator who broke democracy, and we went to jail. But actually, the RSS chief at that time, Bal- Bala Sahib Deoras, wrote. I'm quoting uh, this piece by Subramanian Swami. Wrote several apology letters to Indira Gandhi, uh, for uh, and offered to work. Uh, for her infamous 20-point program, and she did not reply. Hmm. Then Atal Bihari Vajpayee, who the BJP goes to town every year, um, saying, "Look, he went to jail during the emergency." But guess what? He also wrote apology letters. This is Subramaniam Swami saying so. That he also wrote, wrote letters to Indira Gandhi, and she obliged him. So he spent most of his 20-month jail term on parole. That hmm. means outside jail, jail se chutti. Right, and, and Subramanian. Okay. Hmm. Uh, first, uh, uh, a particular RSS individual might have done that. Uh, we'll need to, but RSS uh, um, uh, from its inception in uh, from its establishment in 1925 hmm. ha- uh, has uh, always tried to be. Uh, a, a kind of organization which is more interested in cultural nationalism mm-hmm. and uh, it was uh, uh, when Syamapata Mukherjee est- uh, set up uh, Jansang in 1951 uh, it was initially reluctant to be uh, uh, a part of it but later it uh, found uh, agreed because it uh, thought that it needs a political umbrella to further its cause. Hmm. So, uh, if the Mr. Devras was saying so, he, uh, I think it uh, it was an aberration from the 
core RSS agenda. So fighting for yeah, because a lot of RSS people did go underground <laughs> and spend yeah. a lot of time in prison. Yes, but so I, sorry, another, another point because sorry, go ahead. You were saying no, something. No, I lost the train of thought. I was trying to say something else. Okay, I will. Sorry, if it comes. So I just wanted to quickly put my piece and then move on to the next because uh, I want to read this email from uh, Sandeep. Uh, yeah, my take on this is a. Um, I think it's always uh, fraught with, what's the word I'm looking for? Risk or fraught with inaccuracies to to compare things that are so many years apart, almost, you know, five decades apart. Uh, it's like when people say, uh, you know, yes, it, yeah. it's, it's like, like if my grandmother, which she often did, makes statements that were not just politically incorrect, they were outright hateful. Uh, on uh, well they weren't hateful she was a wonderful she was gentle but she had a view of Muslims because she's the generation that actually you know picked up their bags and marched across from Lahore I I don't agree with it but I get it that was the predominant context that was the cultural value at that time but if my brother or sister or cousin says it I will come down at them like a ton of bricks I was that like fucking shithead you 20 year old something what world are you living in so therefore when a Modi or someone says, we would not do that. Dude, you can't even if you wanted to. Yeah. I have full faith that you want to. But in 2018, with the hyper-connected world with social media with this. So, comparing things across, which is why people said, but Nehru did this. I was like, dude, you know, your sense of history, your sense of context, sense of sociology is so warped. Did you, like, what Trump is today, and many people in America also do is, do this. George Washington had slaves. Like, dude, so therefore he was racist, so why are you calling Trump out? Like, I'm like, you can't argue with such people because they don't get it. That is one. And the second thing is, I think, yes, emergency needs to be remembered, but not in the way that it is remembered now as political blame game, but as what Revati said, as why institutions matter. Um, and uh, just uh, in a related issue, and uh, hold on to that thought, Anna, I'll come to you before I come to the email. It was on the same thing that the uh, apprehensions with a strong government. So 2014 government was a, um, a strong government after 84. So now, uh, the apprehensions of a strong government getting dictatorial has been neutralized by the role of technology yeah. to, to that ex large extent. And censorship uh, has been lent to a great degree uh, irrelevant. Right. I mean, so that that is also uh, something in last four or five decades that has to be factored in. Yeah, and and basically, you know, taking a bit of from what you said and from Revati said in an earlier context, is that while technology changes fast, human nature does not, and human nature is displaying certain levels of servility that were displayed during the emergency are being displayed now as well, and I think that is unique whenever you get a strong leader. Right. It's so, a South Asian phenomenon. Mm, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I made an observation about uh, Western values of, of democracy, but in an earlier hafta, but I won't get to that. Okay, I have a quick email to read. This one is um, from Sandeep. Sandeep says, Hi, News Laundry team. I've been a subscriber of News Laundry for a while now. I've also been a News Laundry evangelist doing my bit to convince people in getting a subscription. Thank you, Sandeep. People be like Sandeep. Mufat Khors learn something. Not only is Sandeep subscribing, he's trying to convince others to subscribe. Have some shame. You know, have one less drink this month. Give a subscription to News Laundry. Anyway, I'll carry on. And some on. less imported beef. Yeah, oh yeah, less imported <laughs> beef. You know, that should be part of the conversation, especially with the emergency. Hmm. 
I believe Hafta is a forum for free-spirited debates around issues of public relevance spanning across regional spectrums. Nuance and perspective is what gets me hooked onto the podcast and also reason for me to continue my subscription. However, I do see instances of Hafta panelists discussing and debating Twitter threads often spending precious airtime over controversies which probably don't warrant that kind of attention. Issues like the one discussed on Hafta 177, Airtel, this was the Airtel this thing are pretty commonplace on social media and are usually raked up either out of bigotry, ignorance of an individual or bots specifically meant to peddle this kind of agenda. I would rather prefer to hear a debate on public policy or competitive sports, World Cup for instance, haven't seen that brought up, for that matter on Hafta, than a controversy raked up on Twitter, specifically made so to garner attention. I understand the need to discuss all kinds of issues, but I do hope serious and find more time, open for criticism on the opinions expressed. Sandeep, I agree with you completely and I think I've often said on the Hafta, but let's not, you know, make a big deal of what happened on Twitter. It is the lowest, uh, you know, in fact, I said that in context of after Shajar died, you know, people who said Twitter pay you, why they could Twitter, Twitter is the lowest. So, and I agree with him. Sometimes I think it matters because what happened with Sushma Swaraj, it has a larger, larger comment. Impact. It's a comment on a larger thing. But yes, I agree with him. Um, Anand, do you have anything yes, to say to Sandeep? Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Right, any. Okay, <laughs> so now uh, I can j- I just like to move on to um, what happened with Sushma Swaraj. Uh, context setting: Last week we discussed on the Hafta this lady who had gone to get a passport made uh, in uh, where was it? Kanpur? No, Lucknow. Lucknow, uh, and she alleged that the passport official there in the office uh, refused to give her a passport or took her and her husband's passport because he said it's an interfaith marriage. She was Hindu and her husband is Muslim and. How can you do this? And, you know, because news picks up news from Twitter in the age of clickbait, so that a lot of news isn't actually reported by reporters on the ground. It's just what Twitter pe ye hua. And at that time, there was a lot of outrage. And of course, predictably, people said, Dekh ho, ye government ye kar rahi. And uh, Ranan, the voice of reason here, said that before we jump to no, conclusions. No, the voice of reason. <laughs> but, but he said that I, I would My voice only. My voice only. He said this could just be the most obvious bureaucratic inefficiency that is you, just so commonplace also in India. On the part of citizen, when, when their work is not done, uh, I mean, it, it is not expedited or done huh. uh, smoothly, they sometimes uh, out of frustration make uh, bizarre allegations. So, <laughs> so it so happens that so far with the evidence that has come after reporters visited on the ground, that the form actually says that have you ever held an alias a name before? And if you have held a name before, before you changed your name, you have to put that name. This woman refused to put it for whatever personal reasons. And he said, you have to put it because we have to know if if you had an earlier name, there was an early identity which you're changing. And then it was not a case of bigotry, at least so far. Also, her address was found fake. So there were, She wasn't living where she yeah, had. So there were, although I'm not sure that is of consequence because you can be living you know you can have no, a permanent you can, uh, army personnel and uh, personnel of central police organizations okay. and uh, students okay they, they can they can but they others have to. others have to live in that place at least but for more last importantly you if you have had a name earlier you have to fill that there is a column for that and and she didn't fill that so Sushma, uh, th- that guy was suspended or an inquiry was called and then Sushma Suraj was traveling the guy was immediately transferred transferred and there was without a an inquiry whole bunch of abuse against Sushman, typically what Twitter, like I said, it is the lowest form of communication and, and opinion writing. Um, in this case, a lot of people who were abusing her were followed by BJP ministers or members. And that is a kind of 
tacit support which is when you follow someone that you give unless you're doing it purely for curious reason like like I follow uh you know yeah, you kamal know, khan yeah yeah but, can i just but, just say this one thing here because we often assume sorry, uh, that i'll just finish the anecdote i'll just finish the support. context yeah. i'll just finish the context then we'll come straight to you so in that context sushma was abused and she put out something saying that this is the kind of stuff i get and there has been no word of condemnation from any of the bjp leaders some of whom are following those twitter handles who abused her and that now is being uh, you know the narrative that is building is that this is the base that the bjp will never condemn rave in that context you know in that context we keep we keep talking about twitter handles and uh, that modi followers and that he shouldn't follow because of bigoted people spreading hate and stuff online uh, i just wanted to say that i follow a few bigots uh, on twitter and some are friends on facebook a uh, couple of them have been responsible for murders and lynchings in 2002 during the riots hmm. they are my facebook friends i'm repeating hmm. uh i feel that i want to engage even with the with the people because i because i need to study them i need to know i feel compelled to know for my own p- private perverse and, and also public political you. reason <laughs> of course they are and i'm completely you know it has to be a two way process as a journalist <laughs> uh so uh, i'm completely open with them and uh, i also get refreshing honesty and openness from them as well however twisted it is it is what it is and so i think we impute a little too much we take it too seriously this whole business of who uh, our political leaders follow yes they need to be a little less um they they need to make uh, put some distance between endorsing someone but i think we also are giving them too much heft when we say oh can you stop following this why should it matter why should we care why do we want validation from those places in any case hmm i agree with you like i follow a lot of people but i'm not the prime minister of india yeah, so in yeah. the sense yeah i think there is a reason the pm follows these people because that is the base the same thing in the us trump he yeah. did not unfollow that person or say do not do that because there the reason that they are followed is you know they, proud to be followed yes. is a blessing yeah, so yeah. that i i disagree with you on the for judging the PM, them for yes. following it I, yeah. i think they have to be judged on uh, for following them um anand yes means uh, following or not following you see uh, uh, the kind of abuse jesse got has to be condemned and there is no uh, two points on it so it has to be condemned but what Uh, um, she did by highlighting that is that to cover her own incompetence hmm. so uh, I, 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 you can read my piece on it that we have entered a phase of diplomacy where social media yes you heard that right he said diplomacy some yeah. people may thought think that they uh-huh. <laughs> so diplomacy So oh, very interesting. So uh yes concerns have been raised uh, world over the diplomatic community world over among uh, about its overuse. So I uh, I have interacted uh, with some of my students who are in Indian foreign service uh, young diplomats and uh, uh, they also think that uh, one has to somehow then defend defend what has been said by the political head of the foreign ministry something that even sam sarin the foreign foreign secretary said so 
this uh, also uh, as in Pooja Singh's Airtel case, see uh, people started highlighting the abuse that she is getting, or Audrey Tosque case, the U.S. scholar that started, and now Susma Swaraj is doing the same. Not all the criticism was abusive. Some mm. raised genuine questions. Some were polite, but you never answered those questions what you highlighted were only abuse hmm. so that is shifting the goalpost and media also somehow pandered to that oh, susma trolled for helping uh, interfaith couple but what was the merit of that help was hmm. it required did she bypass her own official uh, um, or her own officials or bureaucracy in extending that help did she get proper feedback from what actually happened so that is so you're saying the incompetence incompetence often is yes. kind of hmm. you know glossed over because there's this big noise of abuse banisha i think two things for me out of this incident one is uh, the importance of the word alleged for journalists because what you end up doing in a case like this when you jump the gun when you create outrage right think pieces like yet another hate story and all that you delegitimize something which is you give others or in this case the right wing to delegitimize something a very real fact of interfaith interreligious couples being harassed in india whether it's the family you've had number of honor killing cases where the police has played an active role whether it's not giving uh, housing rents to interfaith couple or interreligious couples so that is something very real but the moment you uh, have a fake outrage like this and you jump the gun then you give a handle to the other side to say ki, oh dekho mostly to fake hi hai aisa kuch hai nahi india is lovely india is wonderful everyone can marry everyone and so it is important to be careful every time such a case comes and not jump the gun and just start attacking modi or the sure. current bjp government and everyone secondly i do agree with anand i do think that like that ht piece is a bit problematic because it names like manak gupta who's a journalist who i'm not really fond of don't agree with but he's not a troll hmm. neither did he abuse her sure. he was just very critical ki aapne aise kaise kar diya but you can't everyone who's even shefali where they find her to be quite ridiculous but she's criticizing such my own dub her as a troll or an abusive troll hmm. many of those guys didn't abuse but, but her but you might dub her as bentley she's unhinged <laughs> i definitely <laughs> find she's her she's unhinged she's she's i don't agree with her on a lot of things and all that but that piece dubs everyone as abusers not everyone's abusing her some people like arnan said did ask her questions some people were angry with her also sure. but it's different from saying like that guy who said i usko islamic kidney mili hai that's why she's turned into bibi <laughs> sushma like that is something that is like the lowest of the lowest and not everyone was doing that uh. so that's not fair to so um marquez he should have just situated <laughs> some of his books here while he was alive <laughs> so i'll just um quickly um read this one more mail this is from dhiraj and i will use this mail to go into my piece which i'm not sure people here have read uh have you read it anand yes and you've read it you uh, obviously haven't so you can give your view i i know manisha disagreed with me on that piece indrajit hazra once said that uh, i edit uh, hindustan when he was editor mm. hindustan times edit page that i edit a page which is read by billions and billions of people <laughs> <laughs> Oh my he really did need validation <laughs> means he was sarcastic he was yeah. sarcastic of course yes. I know but so dhiraj says hi all to begin with abhinandan do you really mean that the ones that make you want to throw up can't be dined with 
do you realize the gravity of that statement imagine a hindu vegetarian telling that to a non vegetarian hindu a muslim who eats beef being told that by a hindu a christian who eats pork being told that by a muslim yes i've taken it literally the puking and the eating but that is to make a point this statement makes you conservative by your own definition holding to traditional attitudes and values and cautious about change or innovation typically in relation to politics or religion unquote why am i making this an issue well a lot of people they feel when they feel something is different from themselves it can make them feel like throwing up and if they start seeing it as the other then excluding the other is tragic what happened to sanders was wrong it was inhuman period why don't you put yourself in her shoes and ask yourself if i was asked to leave a restaurant because of my beliefs or my job how would i feel let me tell you how i would feel i would feel like i would feel it to be a form of racism racism by virtue that liberal values are superior enough to kick a person out of a restaurant not sure how you are going to defend yourself through this one the other thing is the malia letter to the prime minister it would be great if you could dissect the letter point by point as to whether what he claims is true if not why waiting to hear more of that outrageous more on that outrageous statement as well as on malia in the next hafta thanks dhiraj best regards dhiraj so dhiraj um, first of all thanks for your email thanks for your subscription and your support i'll tell you of course you yourself have said it's not to be taken literally but you've taken it literally but you're saying that to make a point so i also won't take what you're saying literally about imagine a hindu vegetarian telling a non vegetarian hindu that i can't throw up so yeah that is you're just making a point and that's not to be taken literally i disagree with this new kind of uh, thesis that has come up that all sides must be engaged with and maybe revathi would disagree because what you're doing is a lot to do with that although you're doing it in a much more nuanced and a psychological way but i'm talking about socialization and what is considered socially legit so what you're saying is just cuz someone disagrees with you and and the context in this for those of you who don't know the sanders is talking about isn't bernie sanders is talking about uh, huckabee sanders uh, what's her first name um, sarah sarah huckabee sanders who's a white house spokesperson who often comes and defends the indefensible and last week when children were put in cages a uh, decision that the trump then backtracked on and he said okay we will not have that zero tolerance policy of separating immigrant children from their parents or guardians during that time she went to a restaurant in virginia and she was asked to go by the owner and the owner has actually written a piece or at least done an interview in the time magazine saying why he thought he should do that and i completely agree with him i'm not saying anyone who you disagree with you can't sit with like i have people in my family uh, you know who vote bjp i told you my own mama was from the rss it is certain things when they go too far for example i think after sambit patra referred to muslims as katmullahs on national television i don't think he should be allowed on any panel that has crossed the line if you work for the ku klux klan and you want to have a meeting like i said in my piece in my restaurant that's where the line is drawn every age has a line so this whole thing and if you really think about it what you're saying you can't possibly believe you would not host a person in your house who says that there should be a social sanction to having sex with 8 year olds if you do then good luck to you your mind can't be so open that your brain falls out there are certain lines when crossed a social ostracization is necessary and that is the primary project of the progressive and has always been because progressives have usually been at the forefront of what is okay you cannot deny someone a table on the basis of their color that is there's a podcast on this on i think it's on radio lab the owners of the steakhouse in texas who would not allow black people and then when there was that rule that you cannot disallow people on the basis of their color they appealed on first amendments and and they lost the case so there are certain social social 
acceptance of certain things socially that are dealt with socially so i'm not saying she has to be imprisoned but the majority of society has to say that beyond this we will not give you space in our establishment and i think that is correct and it is a must you can disagree with me on where the line is but for you to compare that a non veg veg someone who has a different no it's not a different point of view you clearly didn't read my piece you know carefully enough it was about certain things that endorse something hateful that society has moved on from that's what i was talking about i don't think it's okay to put kids in cages and that's where i think a line mm-hmm. is drawn and if someone who works for that person and how would i feel it doesn't matter how i would feel if i'm working with someone like that i should be able to take it in the chin and move on and not whine if i decide to work for let's say you know uh, an outfit like the isis and tomorrow if they say what a person you are i can't say oh ho poor me accept me no i took that decision so i should take the criticism or the social ostracization in the jaw that's i think like the sanders case in fact like you said stephanie wilkinson is the owner and you should read her piece in guardian where she explains what happened proceeding when she told sanders to leave so a lot of her employees are gay and a lot of and them hispanics yeah and of course you've had trump uh, you know says things like transgenders should be banned from the military no so she went to her employees and she said what do you want me to do and they said kick her out we mm. don't want to be serving her to so this was this kind of a things her employees and her standing up against some of the things that trump government stands against and expressing that protest in the only way that they could by refusing i don't think that's like a free speech issue at all right. it's not like it's very different from a government clamping down on you or you know like you said racism or d- refusing you for your color or skin or whatever sure it's it's their own little way of protesting which yeah. i think is fine rivti well both of you have just made me change my mind on this okay. i didn't really have um, i was kind of waiting this one out which have, one the this, uh, sanders. the sarah sanders mm-hmm. this you know being thrown out of the restaurant because i didn't read enough on it uh, and i said okay Uh, let me kind of not sometimes i choose to not decide on sure. something until someone con- convinces me both of you have just done that hmm. uh, and i um, actually have always taken this position that you need to have a position that just by saying i have a story you're ordering facts in a certain way and and, and so my writing of the book on the perpetrators is actually not a way of balancing anything out it's a way of understanding hate right. it's not at all balancing and i don't believe in this which is a very this side, important distinction side. which i'm very yeah. important dist- yeah so people should understand that yeah and 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 i don't believe in, in i think this pussy footing around an issue often to say okay let's put this side let's put that side is They're not just lazy journalism it's irresponsible journalism There's very, very often people on both sides kind of thing yeah. 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 it's yeah. irresponsible yeah. journalism because you're saying i have something to say and you leave the reader saying so what did you just say hmm. like you just juxtaposed two things that's not a story hmm. you've actually given me nothing sure. you said you're giving me egg and you've given me like half an egg and half a potato and i'm stuck with this thing which is nothing hmm. however in the indian context i think that when when rupa subramanya people question shekhar gupta why are you giving a platform that i think is not fair hmm. i don't think she's this i mean you take it on the merit of the piece that she's written and that piece is fine i mean she's talking about you can criticize her but hmm. just this whole thing of liberal echo chamber also feel like isko jagah kyun diya aapne apne platform mein it's a fine piece i mean you judge it on the basis of whatever the piece is talking about it's i found it pretty unremarkable actually i didn't hmm. think it was like oh how dare print give her space 
factors and I, I think I agree with you that like to to give context to what what you just said it's just basically Rupa Subramania has often been this troll who sort of jumps down people's throats highly the critical of, of the left and very supportive of Modi no, but also in two a years way ago, and now she falsifies facts and stuff and she's known to do that repeatedly and so therefore when she came out strongly to condemn. support fellow journalists and to condemn uh, bigotry hmm. uh, it took everyone by surprise and so the print decided to give her space for a column that she wrote and liberals jumped down the print's throat uh, and I agree with you that that should not have happened that she should have her space uh, but at the same time the same week uh, Shekhar Gupta the editor of the print and the creator of the print also wrote an editorial which I had huge problems with on who a liberal silly. is uh, but he keeps doing that I <laughs> yeah, think yeah. it's but I think he's does that purely provocative because I don't believe an adult man of 60 <laughs> years you know 30 40 years of experience in the political space can have such a superficial or silly view of what liberalism is or what freedoms are i mean i think he does that purely for hits i generally i, I don't believe he can someone of his stature and experience can't believe well, that well to me it looked like pandering yeah to the right pander quite a bit mm. yeah he does anand you can weigh on this now weigh on Okay, means uh, feel free to call out my bullshit. Huh. No, no, no. <laughs> the dietary thing and uh, hmm. the um, uh, the, the metaphors that he used. So, I I am a vegetarian and teetotaler, hmm. but I tolerate people who are non-vegetarians and who drink hmm. or tolerate. smoke. Hmm. Smoke. Hmm. So tolerate all of what I am saying is that <laughs> what I am saying is that tolerance is also two-way traffic means uh, right. uh, two-way traffic um, so conservatives also tolerate liberals also tolerate <laughs> they have to tolerate each other second is uh, that Rupa uh, so these kind of people should always uh, have uh, a secondary job hmm. because chambers may shut their door to them that's why I teach also <laughs> <laughs> Why? Have you been shown the door for being vegetarian? No, I... F- I, f- I no. <laughs> That'll be a first in this country. Uh, that's why I have a plan B ready always. So, <laughs> and I work. That's why I also... I teach also because labeling is uh, so... Uh, means fanatic these days that you can be say, hmm. uh, shown the door that you are something, some kind of... Same. Now, third thing is that... Uh, uh, there has been a lot of uh, lot of fallacies about conservatism in India because it is not taught in India in, in Indian universities and mm. again conservative see any community which has interests aligned to it will have a political space will o- always find a political space because democracy is basically uh, arbitration of interests and religi- religion is uh, a religious community also represents a kind of interest. But it is not to say there are two thoughts within uh, cons- that conservatism is always religious. Say, for example, Britain. Hmm. Now, the conservatism as a political force has not uh, been finished. The, it is there, or in U.S. But British, con- uh, with uh, even with a very uh, drastic decline in church-going British people, now conservatism is not aligned to religion, but it will adjust to what now the community thinks are its values. It may not be religious, but what how they identify themselves as a community now. So. It, 
it uh, even conservatism has a uh, an element of dynamism in it. Sure. It cannot be. Uh, it's not static. I completely agree with you. Static. It never is. Yeah. So yeah, nothing uh, is. I- even say 500 years uh, f- further, India uh, uh, may have a different kind of conservatism, but it will have. Of course, at it every stage have. there will. So, that is yeah, so by its definition. I mean, there are some things worth conserving, which is what huh, conservative. But yes, uh, and uh, there would be something which are non-negotiables on this side and non-negotiables on, on that side. side. So. That is, so uh, there is nothing to disagree with that. Yes, uh, b- uh, but s- uh, what you can say, civic decencies. Mm. Now, this was a case of breach of civic decencies mm. that you uh, are abusing somebody, throwing somebody. If it was the case out of restaurant, uh, now these basic civic decencies are non-negotiable. Mm. So what you are saying is you are turning it on its head that. Mm. What this lady did hmm. is to break the civic decency of throwing someone out. Yes. So that hmm. is a non-negotiable which you think she's yeah. breached. Yes. Interesting. I think yeah. she was pretty decent about it. She yeah. went out quietly, told her, please leave. She said, okay, I'll leave. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't think she was that's like because thrown out. Sarah Sarah is in Punjabi. She said, No, you know, actually the point I'm making, Dheeraj, also is that, well, for one, funny you should ask, that I have been discriminated for on what I eat. Because when I was in class four in Wellum Boys School, it's an all boys boarding school, and there was a separate table of Jains. All Parag Jain, Mohit Jain, I remember, I remember the names of all. All the Jains would sit on one table because they were all veg. And for some reason, I was put on that table because there was no place on any of the other tables. And I was the only non on that table. And I was the junior most on that table. So when my food would be served, it would have chicken in it. All of them would look at me and say, Disgusting. Just look that way. Don't look here. And you're a junior, you know, so you fucking got to listen. So, you know, I tell the server, just take my fucking food away. I'll just. Luckily, I was never fond of food. It was just a chore. Like, bloody hell, khana is the time waste, and I still think so. But, so it has happened. I didn't feel victimized at all. Probably because I didn't like food. Someone who likes food would have felt very bad. Uh, but, yeah. but I live to eat. The, I the no, but a kid, you can feel bad, but yeah, the, if like people are. Yeah, but I still remember the sandwich that an eagle uh, snatched out of my hand for, for no, lunch. But I still remember <laughs> feeling hungry no, and I was eight. No, but the point I'm making is that there on the Rupa bit, you know, again in my piece I haven't articulated where I stand on Rupa. But I'm willing to be convinced that she has breached the line of decency. Like I am convinced that Sambit Patra has breached yeah, the line of decency. Like, huh. That to be given a platform, like if you have use the n-word for a man of you know african origin or you have called someone in a disparaging way by their caste you know the ch word Hmm. then at least i because i can pull rank on that on news laundry would not allow that person's piece you can have a view ki bhai you can explain away a riot ki bhai there was a sociological reason and some people may, may find that bigoted i think that space should be open because there are but if you use certain phrases across certain that is the non-negotiable for me. Uh, so I'm willing to be convinced that Rupa has reached that. Although I still haven't given it deep enough thought. So, mm. uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so now let's talk about Vijay Malia's letter. So quickly, I just, because, uh, you know, Dheeraj also want to know what we think of Vijay Malia's letter. The letter link is below. He's written this long letter to the Prime Minister of India. Ek to sab sida Prime Minister ko likhte, which talks about what you were saying. Institutions to is desh mein hai nahi. Because if you have to save something from your mind, then say Modi Ji, he can save it. And he can save it. We're more feudal now than we were when we were actually feudal. 
So I'll tell you Dheeraj what I think of his letter. I think, I mean, it's a fairly long letter. It's three, four, five pages. No, six pages. The six pages just as head of government, I would request it's his signature. So he's whining about how the income tax authorities are not letting him settle and how he's being made into this scapegoat to show everything that's wrong and that he can settle, he's not being allowed to settle. So I'll tell you what I think, Dheeraj. A, I think he has some very valid points that he is not the biggest defaulter. There are people who have defaulted four times his size, but those people are highly connected. Just so that you know, right now Mukesh Bhai has unsecured loan almost the tune of 2 lakh crore, which is unthinkable. That Just think of the number. So he is already too big to fail because if he fails, pretty much the whole banking system goes down. These are unsecured loans. So, you know, even policy will be tweaked to make sure he wins. Uh, but leaving him aside, people who have defaulted, there are many others, much bigger defaulters. Yes, he's being made a, made a scapegoat. But should he be dealt with in this way? Yes, I think he had enough opportunity to settle. He did not use that opportunity to settle. And that too is a fact. Because in India, big industrialists know that UPO or NDO, bank managers, chairman of banks can be fixed. You can get your loan. This has been happening for the longest time with politically connected sugar mill owners. They are in huge debt and their loan keeps getting transferred to the next year because sugar is a very difficult industry. Unless you're politically connected, you cannot make a profit with a sugar mill. So it happens all the time and he was called out well and good. But the one problem I have is where he congratulates himself. He starts off his letter by saying, at the age of 21, I took over as chairman of UB Group, the world's largest volume of liquor and I have... Given inherited from my dad. Lack, inherited from my dad. <laughs> lakhs of crores. I have made it the biggest, this, biggest. And he's positioned himself as this genius. That, Keynes and Invisible Hand, Adam Smith and Arvind Subramanyam and Subramanyam Sami, take best parts of all the best. Sorry, this is the, the male anatomy talking. <laughs> sorry, oh yes, I didn't come. Good point, well called. So, I think... Like Satyam Raju was considered this genius and Kenneth Lay in Enron until you realized that they were talking shit and the industry was worth shit. Yes. So he believed his own bullshit because I remember there was a time in the early 2000s and people said this guy is the genius man. He knows how to build his brand by throwing these parties. He's really bright. He's an amazing guy. He's an industrial captain of industry. He was a duffer who got lucky and had a lot of money. And that I disagree with and I would recommend a podcast by NPR. It's a very old podcast. I think I've recommended it in I may not have because it's 2011. New Zealand didn't exist then. It's called the Nasty Rotten Airline Business. You must listen to this podcast. Airline is the most difficult business to make work. Even the most brilliant minds the world over can't make it work. Just so you know, little trivia, most Western airlines make their money not by flying passengers and freight. It is by dealing in fuel. Because an airline buys fuel, they have long-term contracts and the fuel prices fluctuate. So whatever excess fuel they have, there's a stock market for airline fuel. So they're making most of their money by actually futures trading the fuel that they're sitting on, not by flying you. It is the most difficult airline in the world to make work. And if this Duffer thought he could make it work, he had just started buying into his own bullshit. So that's what I think of his letter. And I think PM Modi should just throw it in the dustbin. Panel, please. Anand. It was later or your thought? No, no. He, my, no this was my thought. But uh, the subscriber had asked... What do we think of the letter Vijay Malia has written to PM Modi? Because he said that, you know, all the I should be saved, I'm made a scapegoat. I'm, it's a six-page letter. But the one thing I do agree with Malia on is, it's very difficult to do business in India because no one knows what the rules are and they change every two days. That I agree with him. 
So, I think it's one large male ego uh, trying to appeal to another large male ego and they're at the opposite end of the spectrum and that's it. End of story. Hmm. Anand? His victimhood. Hmm. He may be correct on that they are more uh, defaulters of uh, a larger scale. But uh, differential treatment is not a defense against crime. Right. So you are a criminal, that should worry the government. Not whether there are bigger criminals or not. So that's uh, that's one thing, and I think uh, mm, his uh, he was uh, he also at ignominy has also been earned by the flamboyant lifestyle right. that he had. Which so at one time was considered uh, a genius uh, marketing. So, move. and uh, one uh, just uh, something uh, uh, on a different note uh, that this Virat Kohli and Anuksha Sharma mm. now. And these people, uh, Virat Kohli plays for RCB hmm. and this man controls that team, Malia, hmm. and they are giving uh, civic relations to people on road, but have nothing to say against him. Hmm. And uh, second thing, uh, uh, one ad, uh, Virat Kohli uh, uh, has this public relations management. Uh, where, uh, where he throws in the one is his fitness drive he has dissociated with all soft drink ads uh, mm. pepsi cola and this that's good. but but that's good that's good uh, saying no to sugar and this mm. but uh, uh, if you see his maneuver ad it is on a different note not vijay malia is not responsible sure. <laughs> maneuver ad if you see in movie theaters it has a very, I means uh, what you can say, something that should uh, uh, outrage egalitarians. Like, uh, it, it status has a, ke ke status. Ke I agree se with you. I think it's a ridiculous ad. And also, sir, please clap for me because I'm serving tea. Hmm. That is the most misogynistic thing ever. Uh, so the hi hypocrisy of celebrities in that sense, in social messaging, hmm. that, 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 that I, so uh, sorry Vijay Malia has nothing to do okay. with <laughs> Virat Kohli's hypocrisy. So, um, yeah. He also said that uh, he should be allowed to sell assets worth rupees 139 billion to settle dues. Hmm. So maybe that, what do you think of that? Should yeah, he I be allowed to sell? To resettle dues, I mean, at least the banks get their money but back. But I don't know the what the procedure is, because once you had the chance and you didn't do it, and now that the shit is at the fan, because now this it'll be done anyway. This letter was though two but years ago. He, sell he made it public now, but he wrote it two years ago. Actually, he wrote it two years ago. But, but I think he's had the chance even before that. Why so. can't he sell his overseas assets, his villas in the south of France and uh, well, South Africa? Well, then he have nothing left. Yeah. I, I definitely think that he thought he could get away with it and now that he's not, he's saying I can do all this. You could have done it earlier also. So no, I don't the have The Virat Kohli ad on the other hand never struck me as... Man, no, because you know, the caricature is so Punjabi and it's so like expected of Punjabis to like, say such things that... Ek line I won't even... But it's so Punjabi to say yeah. that, you know, like you hear something... No, but also I think his other so ad which is Don't Stop, I think it's Seagram's, whatever, it's some alcohol brand and the surrogate advertising that... Yeah, yeah, surrogate. That ad, I have serious problems with it. You can listen to the offer an awesome entertainment rap to know what I think of that ad. We will discuss that in in, in depth. Uh, in fact, there are two ads that I want to discuss. Which Times of India ad. Uh, the Times, Times of India Network ad. Yeah, ad. So maybe Times we are nitpicking on that equal status. Yeah, thing. sure, maybe we are. Yeah. I just now want to uh, move on to um, one quick piece that I missed in the headlines when I announced. Uh, but before I do that, I have an announcement to make. We have the Media Rumble coming up. Media Rumble 2018. Those of you who attended Media Rumble 2017 know what we're talking about. Last year it was at the Beacon Air House. This time it's at India Habitat Center. We have speakers coming from the world over. 
and the nation over because our nation is as big as a continent talking about news journalism the economics of news investment technology and we have some really fantastic speakers raju narasetti is coming and we have francesca panetta i'm always wondering if i pronounced the name correctly if you've seen the guardians virtual news experience uh, she created that uh, and we have the lady um, who broke the story of the american coach uh, the gymnastics coach who you know sexually molested uh, hundreds of women that was the biggest story of the year and of course we have our own desi bhai and behens so you can and across ideological spectrum it's a place where we want everyone to come and talk about how we can make news better go to the mediarumble.com register it is free registration for subscribers so you will get a unique id and if you're not a subscriber pay us and you can get in right pay because news costs money so after that little plug i forgot to say in the headline that the chief economic advisor arvind subramanian has quit and rahul gandhi said that the brightest are fleeing a sinking ship so one is i'm curious and i wish we had maybe vivek all will be at the media rumble so you can ask these questions by the way you have you know news professionals reporters investors policy makers you can ask them all sorts of questions i want to ask how much of a difference do people like arvind subramanian actually make to policy i'm i always think that they are celebrated maybe with good reason and they but unless you have an executive role like the rbi governor or minister i'm not sure how much of a difference you make to policy i mean whether you're bright or best or brightest and brightest i mean he writes the economic survey right he wrote the economic survey but Am what I is right? your executive role what can you actually but do what policy can you make advisory means you are it's advisory yeah it's an uh, it's a kind but bureaucratic position but economic surveys position. are great i mean they're really a great insight into hmm. policy so, Yeah, Does this say anything about the government? Okay, let me just. I'm um, having a macro picture of how the economy is moving, what adjustments it needs, and uh, so it's an a kind of advisory role. So you are you are uh, quite sure that uh, most of political heads don't have that expertise to go into those details. So they help in that. Sorry, is, what does it mean for the government that he's quit? no he has he can be easily replaced he is not the only one so uh, there are many economists who can be hired he has uh, apparently quit because he is expecting to be a grandfather so that's the reason he has given all right so um do you want to weigh in on that just just one thing to say i i expected him to do it much sooner hmm. and uh, i do think he made a, a difference because the balancing of numbers that this that every government has to at least get the books right hmm. because they make all these tall promises like and farm loan waivers are coming up now we know that so they have to balance the books hmm. you know uh, you can't just have arbitrary numbers thrown out there even when you're cooking the books you have to base it on something hmm. so arvind subramanian was good at that he was damn good at that the economic survey showed that okay fine although about how credible indian numbers are i think we're fast going the no, china that, way of course. and i'll i'll tell you that I think I've said this before mm. speaking to people who work for big multinationals Indian numbers are quickly being treated in big boardrooms like Chinese numbers are treated don't believe those numbers just take the numbers for the whole region the south asian region and anyway so uh, now quickly I just like to end with please keep your recommendations ready I know uh, Manisha has something to say about the army major who killed a fellow officer's wife because he was obsessed with her and uh, you know media has gone to town with this in 
so which shows that there is no shame but sorry before i come to that i just want to talk about the story about amit shah's name maybe i should have discussed this earlier being deleted from stories hurriedly on that ians story the context is that after demonetization the most amount of cash went into amit shah's uh, to a cooperative gujarati cooperative bank where amit shah is a director 700 and something crores crores yeah in what 5 days or something and more than sbi sbi like there are banks with like 10 times more branches but this bank had the most cash deposited with it and because amit shah is associated with that bank it does raise eyebrows and this story was based on rti so it wasn't speculation it wasn't incomplete reporting like that earlier wire story which i can understand why people had problems with it this was based on rti's and it was, it was an rti numbers. response it and it was an agency copy yeah. it was a like a very innocuous and this actually circles back to the whole thing about the emergency yes we're not in the emergency but such fear by such large news organizations of the establishment is something that is new to this extent it was also then the upa time no one carried vadra's name till arvindre kejival gave that press conference but it wasn't so major now ki bhai people are so shit scared that quickly and of course technology has moved in the last five years and i think it is doubly um, uh, ironic that the same week you know arun jetli was talking about how she was such a dictator and freedom of press and all that and everyone jumped onto his back by the way on twitter saying oh the chickens have come home to roost <laughs> are you talking about yourself <laughs> and your own party a lot of people said that to him so yeah i think that is unfortunate that that media is so craven because guys cnn news 18 first post times now new and express Yeah. There was Economic nothing wrong with time. that story. Yeah, yeah eco-times. It's a bloody RTI. It's yeah. not a speculative story. And it's an story. agency copy. Are you at a time where you're not even going to carry agency copies? इतना मतलब हमारे दर्शकों को बताइए एजेंसी कॉपी क्या होती है? मतलब there's a stock most boring reports most like uh, but very important agencies. news ga- gathering hmm. work that, that agencies do. like uh, was it ANI that doctored images of Modi looking out of a plane? No, no, no. That was I think PIB. PIB had put out uh, पढ़ने से पहले ही ये लोग पहले Okay. I doubt if he had problems with the story. I doubt if there was a call from BJP saying, "Hey, pull it down." Yeah, I think no, it's just yeah, most papers just automatically take that preemptive. Yeah, kind but of you know the thing is, those calls never happen. It's not like anyone no. had called and said, "Aisa mat karo." Those yeah. do happen, but they happen. They happen you also. Those times have happened on stories I have done. Yes, those when in the two thousands when uh, the when when the NDA was in power. Yeah, no. When, so when the, the, those things have happened. Don't no, forget that. Yeah, when Time magazines. India exactly. chief had to pack up his bags yes. and go home yeah, because yeah. he you know spoke yeah. about Atal Bajpayee so calls happen no i'm saying calls happen but i'm not saying only calls happen and then stories are pulled down yeah yeah there, there are certain lines people know ki boss oh shit ye kar diya chalo to no this, call is made this is why when i brought up precisely the amit shah thing when i was talking about the emergency because i said that there is structural violence against institutions that we are inflicting on ourselves hmm so that's and that yeah. is very worrying and a big thing that mirrors uh, that that breakdown of institutions and the self like the hammer that we are that we're using to kind of uh, axe our own feet is very very worrying and there i would say there are similarities because it's it's an atmosphere of fear it not, might not literally be the same so it's, it's like an atmosphere <laughs> that's oh a good one okay yes, but i think for pun. people like economic <laughs> just to underline it that this this was a pun atmos 
Fear. Fear. But I think for people like economic times, the bigger concern is also like you've had the PM pull out. Summit's a big deal for both HD economic times, big money making hmm. uh, events for which you need the PM or the finance minister to, or Amit Shah to headline it. And you've seen uh, Modi pull out of one of the economic times summit, and after that you've seen them go really soft on the government. So these summits are also part to be blamed because you. Can't be inviting those guys if you've been trashing them on your newspapers. No, but or you I can invite them no, and they'll would, refuse. I would quote the Indian Express to you here, who had Modi and who had a Rajkamal Jha, the editor of the Indian Express, take him down on stage. Yeah. But will he come again? He didn't, and so what? No, but the thing is, you I know, think why, that I there's two ways to though. play this. But Indian you know, Express I, has I, those I can understand, Yeah, but I can understand that when I see the balance sheet of a company, these guys are going under, so they need this. You are making very handsome profits. You're and a you very want to healthy company. Making it. Sure. But this is not going to push you into losses. Hmm. What I'm saying is that I, I don't buy it that, oh, you know, they're just to stay afloat. If you're doing it just to stay afloat, I can understand it. You're not doing it just to stay no, afloat. But you I have know very healthy profits. You're doing it just are, to that are trying to profitable. pander and failing to and are desperately sinking because advertisers sure. have got scared. But so that's that, true. That has really so happened and it has NDTV taken... With exactly. NDTV, so it has everyone take, pulled out. It's taken money, large newsrooms burn. But Times of India doesn't have that problem. Yes, but they, they, <laughs> they don't want to go anywhere near that problem. So they so the only way to not go by that is to keep pandering. And there's never an end to it. You pander once, you'll be asked to pander ten times more. That's how it works, right? Mm. So, sure, I agree. Anand? So so we have to make a choice between between the thing the thing that we have to always make a choice as media people is whether we want to risk sinking. Can do we have the stomach to say, Okay, let it go under? Sure. Let's let's be non. No, let's not diff- exist. That's a very difficult call. If you have it's a very employees. difficult call. I agree with it's you a very call. difficult call. But during the emergency, people made that call. Sure. And many people did go under, and they were really down and out for years after that. But, I mean, when you read the books that I mentioned on the emergency, forget going under. I mean, some of the died people who died yeah, in prison and the, the kind liver, of yeah. Their kidneys failed. Their dialysis. And did, you exactly know, when they were sick and they were, happened, of course, right? it was horrible. Anand. Now, from uh, the point of view of the casualty of this report, say Amit Shah, so uh, from his end or his party's end, if there was uh, um, any effort to silence this news or to censor it, now it was, uh, I think, uh, stupid because it reveals their lack of understanding of the information universe in which information dissemination is no longer the monopoly of big media. Hmm. So the very fact that we all know and discussing it here is that everyone knows it. It means it, it reads to everyone. So it, it, is, it is now nonsensical to just uh, uh, ask big media players to not carry something because you are living in a very different world now. Uh, second is that if it was such a damaging uh, information to give, the government could have uh, stopped it at the RTI stage only. Hmm. So uh, means they, they can, they can. If you are imagining a lot of things, then you can also imagine that uh, government can exercise power over information commissioners if they are spineless. Right. But that's to imagine that everything breaks down in a uniform way yeah, that and that is there is coordination. A lot of RTIs, there like isn't. many CBI I'm saying if they are spineless, if information no, no. commissioners no, have no, integrity, no. they cannot. No, 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 hmm. no. I'm saying 
that there isn't this well-coordinated machinery at the top. They may want to project themselves as that and we make the mistake of believing that they actually know what's going on everywhere and that they can orchestrate these big mm -hmm. things. But most of the time they can't because it's just too exactly unwieldy and too large. It's too large. The thing is that I know for a fact, many journalist friends of mine, that certain leaks or documents they have got from within an organization against the person heading that organization is because lower down bureaucrat wants to screw that person. Most of the leaks are done by bureaucrats. Yeah, so exactly. So that cannot most be read. Of the, We've got many, many of stories because of which we can yeah, exist. That claimed as exclusive is the work of, of a bureaucrat. Uh, of a, uh, means disgruntled bureaucrat. Exactly. And that happens all the time. This yeah. is so many of the day. I didn't want to, we have to make our numbers. But I disagree with you on one thing, Anand, and this I realized after Anirudh's story on the Cobra Post expose. We were like, oh, oh, big media covered up, but everyone got to know. Dude, other than all of us who sit around Hafta and this incestuous world of media professionals, I went out to my non-media friends and family. No one had, haan, suna hai, kya, what was happened? Haan, suna hai, kuch hua tha, what, what? It's a fact that they, so, no one knew. I, I that, was going to that say. That has been successfully killed. Yes. I, will, I, I mean, of course, this I'm just throwing, pulling a number out of my ass. But I can confidently say about maybe 5% of the country knows about the Cobra Post expose. 95% doesn't. We'd done a video also asking people around. No one knew. Also, Very one, one, one thing, thing, you know, we have this is, myth. We, like it's come up two, three times in the conversation today itself that technology frees you. No. Technology works on algorithms and it aggregates whoever has the most money. And actually, big media is becoming bigger and fatter and... Amazon no, I think there is, a, there is a break in that. There, there is, is less. a break in no, the penetration, ruler, ruler There needs to be a lot more strategic so pushback yeah. is what I was coming to. Because, because actually the big media does have considerable power and this censoring of a few big media actually does go a long way in allowing myths and fear mongering to continue to the extent that they can. Even if they get 2-3% uh, disgruntled voters back into the fray because of it, they'll take that chance. It may have, but it has been neutralized to an extent. Sure. And uh, second thing is about the Cobra Post, uh, uh, on a different note, not, uh, something related to it, that it was a media-related hmm. uh, news. Hmm. And it's it's a NIST field. Uh, uh, not uh, all people, we assume, are very much interested in very media specific stories uh, let uh, i am just uh, and it's an anecdotal thing so you may not uh, give much weight to it so but still i am saying like a prostitute this term mm. so it led to a very funny situation uh, uh, while i was traveling in metro so uh, there was a man who was watching a video of barkha that he, he was interviewing uh, uh, that gurus and he was somehow very angry with Barkhadat and he said that prostitute so that was a monologue so yeah prostitute now there was a lady sitting beside him now she somehow thought that he was a prostitute. She abruptly got up. Hmm. 
एंड कंप्लेन टू दैट दैट कैसी बातें करता है तो अदरवाइज इफ वी एज्यूम दैट इट्स एवरीवन नोज द वर्ड प्रोस्टिट्यूट या नो बट शी थॉट द कॉन्टेक्स्ट नो व्हाट आई एम सेइंग इज दैट वी एज्यूम दैट एवरीवन नोज व्हाट इज प्रोस्टिट्यूट बट देयर लॉट ऑफ पीपल डोंट नो या ओके सो बिफोर वी वाइंड अप यू वांट टू टेल अस अबाउट द मेजर इशू आई थॉट ऑफ दिस पन फिल्ड सेंटेंस दैट Revati can again look at me with disdain and say, "What a jackass!" So this story about the major is a general problem with a kernel of truth. <laughs> okay, sorry. Tell us, Manish. As bad as Aaj Tak. As bad as Aaj Tak, she says. <laughs> no, nothing. It was just uh, highly sensationalized, and one would have thought that after the whole Sri Devi, you know, shaming that they received for that moth ka baat tab and all that shit, they would have gotten their act together, but. बहुत ए बी पी एंड आज तक वो कम्प्लीटली दे रन दिस हेडलाइन दो मेजर एक महबूबा एंड शी इज नॉट इवन ए महबूबा शी इज वन डजन नो एनी थिंग एंड तीन तीन गर्ल फ्रेंड थी मेजर की एंड देन शी इज अ वेरी ब्यूटिफुल वुमन दिस लेडी हु वॉज किल्ड सो देन लाइक फाइव सिक्स मिनट्स ऑफ हर डूइंग योगा और हर ओल्ड वीडियोज वो सूर्य नमस्कार करती थी बहुत ही चुलबुली थी बहुत ही लोगों से मिलती थी मिलनसार थी ये थी वो थी आई वॉज जस्ट लाइक सो I mean, basically, any crime story with any even a any man woman angle to it is just up for. But then there's something. So I was just researching for nuisance. Then somehow I came across. Uh, so I was just looking for you know various stuff on news websites, and I saw this News 18 stories. There are crime stories which I'm reading out the headline. बेवफा बीवी की फैंटेसी थी सेक्स के वक्त रेड ब्रा पहनना दिस इज न्यूज एटीन न्यूज आई यू सीरियस या मुकेश भाई मुकेश भाई क्या क्या कर रहा है आपका उसकी बॉस मास्टर बेट करवाने के लिए देती थी पैसे एंड ऑल दीज हिंदी वेबसाइट इवन बीबीसी दे टर्न इन टू दीज स्ट्रेंज लाइक सनसेट होते मस्त हो जाते हैं टाइप्स ऑफ दे टर्न इन टू दीज रंगीला कांड ऑफ वेबसाइट रंगीला नो बिकॉज यू है सेम इन कुमार यू नो सूर्यास्त पहाड़ मस्त इन देंट वन दंस गोज डाउन एवरी वन पहाड़ गोज मस्त सो इट्स कैंड ऑफ सिमिलर सिचुएशन विद दीज हिंदी न्यूज वेबसाइट इट्स जस्ट बिजार द कांड ऑफ सेक्स स्टोरीज and crime and But, you know i want to say that i think this is just a way of people sublimating their desires and let them do it here on a news website other, yeah they like, don't no, have any other place not on a news website ab to news dekh rahe hain ji so i think let them do it here because you know we we give very little no it's <laughs> a news platform yeah read those manohar kahaniyan aur jo bhi hoti hain no no oh, i'm just uh, i'm just being funny yeah, but i'm kuch to hai ki matlab jaise in fact i have a thesis ki जो पीपल कीप यू नो सेइंग ट्विटर पे इतना गंद यार ट्विटर पर हड़ास निकालने दो yeah. नहीं तो ये बंदा जाके बाहर झगड़ा करता <laughs> किसी औरत को ग्रोप करता <laughs> सब इसकी फ्रस्ट्रेशन ट्विटर पे निकल रही अच्छा है वेबसाइट ऑफ Hindi new channels. It's uh, this kind of content you can, if you scroll down the pages of Hindi newspapers, such kind of semi-pornographic content you can find. So uh, it, it is. It is deliberately. Yeah. Was because uh, I don't in this age of uh, billions of porn sites. Why people would uh, prefer to read it on a newspaper site? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> They just want to read it. Maybe so, it's like that. So, so, uh, also uh, on a news site, also on the Sauce Ki bottle, also on Arupan site. Subject it de do. Also means if you look at Hindi yeah, newspapers, I have read uh, written on it also the 
kind of ads you get mm. for yeah, for, uh, for, for the SK or what yeah. it is called and all sex related uh, mm. ads and lot of things Listen, I'm all for the so, libido everywhere. No, <laughs> uh, so uh, one of the largest selling uh, and uh, which uh, the case study on which became very very important Saras Salil. It was a very, it is still a Delhi Press the same publication house which publishes Karwa. Uh, Delhi Press Saras Salil. Sar- Sar- Sarah Salil makes uh, at least five times more money than Karma or maybe more. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, which is why they handle different branches so of which is why they can have a caravan uh, making no money. So they have caravan they have doesn't two make pages money. on Yon. It's it, it's a twenty paper uh, twenty page news. Another ten percent is about uh-huh. sex. Sex. So uh, it is uh, also it is a common phenomenon in in, in what I'm uh, so. Behind the facade of a feudal respect for women, there is a repressed sexuality and very prurient desires, which need to be pandered to. Yeah, I so, agree. So, uh, and uh, it is a reflection of that. Mm. So. Okay, on that note, we shall wind up. Please keep your recommendations ready. Before we wind up, I just quickly want to again plug the Media Rumble. Do attend. You will have speakers from across the world, some very, very well-known international names, journalists, investors, policymakers, and also the Information Broadcasting Minister of India. You can ask him some questions if you like. It's free for subscribers. You will get a unique ID which can get you to enter. For the rest of you, you have to subscribe uh, or you have to buy tickets on the MediaRumble.com. Um, so please keep your recommendations ready. While you are doing that, I just want to tell our listeners that. Election season is coming and just like it happened in 2014, that song Ho Raha Bharat Nirman, Chamak Raha Bharat Nirman and Manmohanji and Sonyaji's photograph, that was, your money was used to bombard every channel with ads and and you kept fighting your libtard and your modi tard, whereas both tards were using your money. If you notice on radio, on television, the ads have started again. Modi ji ne ye kar diya. So each time you hear that, Remember, it's your money, okay? So rather than gloating and thinking that why should we pay news laundry? We get other stuff for free. No, you don't, Buster. You're paying for it. You just don't know it. In our case, we let you know that you are paying for it. And I think, and this is while I was listening to this ad, uh, sitting in a vehicle, and 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 the cab driver said, "Ah, ye dekh, ye Modi ji ne kar diya." And he seemed like a prospective Modi voter. You know, these ads have a counter, uh, like they worked against the UPA. Your ad should be the emotionally, they shouldn't appeal to you ki ye kar diya, wo kar diya, cause people's lives are shit. So when they see an ad or hear an ad telling them that their lives are great, even if they weren't pissed off, they get pissed off. There has to be a new grammar, a new USP for ads. And I think political parties haven't got that. You take it from me, this ad campaign, which is making it to be ki dekho we are also happy hamare knees bhi theek ho gaye dada ji ka heart condition theek ho gaya ab to it it is going to piss more people off than i, I think so but anyway those ads uh, are being used by your money is being used to make them and bombard them so good luck getting suckered or you can just subscribe to news laundry yeah recommendations ladies and gentlemen when when to start Manisha? i think i'll suggest pradabhanu mehta's piece on liberalism today since we had such a discussion on liberals okay Anand we had discussion on emergency the uh, journey of india's democracy so um, the same author pratap bhanu mehta uh, very slim book uh, published by penguin in 
burden of democracy. It's just a long essay. Pratap Bhanu Mehta, I don't think except this book has written any book. He has edited two more on public institutions with Dipesh Kapoor and one with Nirja Gopal, Oxford Handbook of uh, Indian Politics. So that's the only book he has written. Uh, the Burden of Democracy, a very slim book, a long essay of 90 pages uh, by Pen- Penguin. Uh, second is also related to emergency. It's a poem. It's a long, sarcastic poem that Nagarjun wrote at the time of emergency. It is, Induji ye kya hua aapko? So, Induji ye kya hua aapko? You, you should read it for, for the flavor. Yeah. Rave. Two recommendations. One, since we're talking about liberal ideas... There's an absolutely stunning book I read uh, which came out this April and uh, full disclosure by my publisher, Westland, uh, An Ordinary Man's Guide to Radicalism by a young oh, and absolutely fantastic journalist, Niaz Faruqi. You guys should have mm. him on this at some point. It's a brilliant, it's a memoir of uh, growing up Muslim in India and what political space that automatically pushes in you into whether you like it or you don't. And... Uh, it's a very honest, uh, very, very refreshingly honest, very searing look and a very open, vulnerable sort of space that he's occupying in this, which is very, very rare and very refreshing for a young journalist. I mean, it's a, brilliant, it's a beautifully written book. Most of it, it's, he says at the end, at the, in the last flap, flap, when you finish reading the book, he says, uh, oh, and now that you've finished reading it, I must uh, acknowledge that most of it is in Hindustani. So it's in English, but it's actually in Hindustani. So the type and the font is Roman, but a lot of it is Urdu poetry and, uh, and it's really beautiful. And the other thing that I want to recommend is uh, Nanette. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix for sure. I don't know what other forums it's on. I know it's on Netflix for sure. It's a one fifty-nine minute long uh, performance that starts out by being stand-up comedy and then makes you weep uh, because it talks about... Uh, there's one line. And I, I've built a career out of self-deprecating humour. That's what I've built my career on. And I don't want to do that anymore. Because do you understand? <laughs> do you understand what self-deprecation means when it comes from somebody who already exists in the margins? It's not humility. It's humiliation. I put myself down in order to speak, in order to seek permission to speak. And I simply will not do that anymore, not to myself or anybody who identifies with me. After making you laugh about uh, lesbian jokes, uh, this, the performer, a lesbian from Tasmania, uh, talks about how she says that she has to now uh, go against comedy and this is anti-comedy. Because she says you, you tend to be self-deprecating in order to be funny. And she says, when you occupy a minority, being self-deprecating means you misrepresent your own story and you actually humiliate yourself. And she said, I couldn't do it anymore. I had to start telling my stories in the full. And I, when I was reading that, I really, I wept because I was looking at um, minority politics in our own country. And I think a lot of people might resonate with this, not just as sexual minorities, but political minorities. Thank you, Revati. Um, I have um, two book recommendations and two article recommendations. I really liked Anand's article on the Bhojpuri music uh, and the kind of misogyny. And, oh my God, what lyrics. Uh, and I'm hoping, uh, while I'm not sure you'd be aesthetically inclined towards it, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a long time on Punjabi music. 
and the identity of the juts and kudis as you know extensions of our uh, of our egos in punjab and where it starts from um i was hoping you could do similar one on punjabi music I actually but i thought of that you know punjabi i was like i thought punjabi lyrics are bad but this is kind of <laughs> yeah but you know this is bad but the punjabi this is still not mainstream punjabi no, the mainstream think? lyrics in the sense that what is played in discos like this song will not be played in the disco the punjabi song that is played in the disco shaadiyon mein to bajta hoga badats and this yeah. and okay. and if it disco. is covering bihar eastern up jharkhand it oh. is a lot of population so it will be there you, on like a regular you, hindi channel yeah, will yes. play DJs this song djs bajate honge acha bajate okay so uh, that article i would highly recommend my article also on the liberal project or the progressive project uh, what's the title of the article i've forgotten uh, the liberal project no um it's the link is below the title of my article i've forgotten uh, those of you who accuse me of coming unprepared being liberal where you draw the line being I liberal where you draw the line me. that's that's the name of the piece uh, and i have two books because it's the emergency we're talking about one is of course jp in jail uh, it is by mg devasahayam i think it's a very good book it tells you about jp's entire he was the cause of the emergency okay while 100 things may be spun because he was doing what anna did into a thousand anna got delhi excited and a few other places in down the country um and it's an interesting understanding of politics because those who say that oh she could have just got him killed like there are the equivalents of the modi bhakts there are indra bhakts that you know that he was trying to destabilize india because he had actually asked government servants to stop doing their job including the army and they said you're asking for mutiny so therefore she had a legal case and that argument has been made many of you who are young wouldn't have heard this argument made because you only heard of modi bhakt arguments but there are such arguments that have been made to me when i was younger that had she not done that jp had actually asked the army to stop doing their work and you cannot have that but it's an interesting art, uh, book because it a tells you about the man and it tells you about how unwise it is to compare either anna or arvind or anyone with jp jp had a much bigger stature and uh, and uh, maybe you know Arvind that it could be like that but I'm not sure and the second thing it tells you is politics is very complicated you cannot say the pro- problem and go away she should have like she could not even keep him in jail she had to keep him in a guest house and why and wherefore so i think that's a, a book that kind of explains that so thank you panel it's been a pleasure evthi thank you can i just thank say you. one more thing good can luck I, with your book I yes plug, can i plug my the column that i just started writing for quint called civil disobedience all right so reading it is an act of civil disobedience okay and the piece i wrote last week actually got a lot of uh, feedback because it was about this cognitive dissonance that you can sometimes face when you are raped very young which you can discover many many decades later and that happened to me So I wrote about that. The link is below. Please check it out. It's a weekly column. Yes, every Friday can, night. Every Friday night, check it out. Thank you all. We leave you with this song that should remind us of the emergency. night good luck see you next week all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry 
help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.